You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, as we consider the wounds of Jesus, I want to first think about this, that all of the wounds that we have had so far, the wounds from the stripes, from the whip on the back of Jesus, the the crown of thorns which was pressed into his head, the nails which pierced his hands, And his feet, all of these were given to Jesus in his life. He felt the pain of them. The suffering. But this last wound of Jesus was given to him in his death. His spirit had already been separated from his body as he breathed out his last. And he was with the Father and with the thief next to him, already in paradise. When the spear is driven through the ribs into his side. And yet, even in his death, even after his death, Jesus is blessing us with this wound and with the water and with the blood that flows from it. I think we can think about this, this wound in the side of Jesus, this wound that he was so quick to show Thomas Only ten days later, see, Thomas, thrust your hand in my side. See, it's I who live. This wound can be considered in these three ways. First, uh, practically. Second, prophetically. And third, theologically or pastorally, or how it's a blessing perhaps to us. First is the practical stuff. There there is in the history of the church those who, uh, who want to deny the the resurrection of Jesus. And one way that people who want to deny the resurrection of Jesus have denied it is by denying the death of Jesus. There's been the argument that Jesus on the cross, in fact, did not die, but rather passed out and was taken off of the cross and laid in the tomb and the cool air of the tomb helped him to wake back up and he got up and walked out. Uh, it's called the swoon theory, <laughs> that Jesus swooned on the cross and, and then was revived. And it really makes no sense. In fact, I've, I've, ne- I've read about it. I've never, I, I'm excited to meet someone who believes that that'll be a good argument or a good conversation, I should say. But, uh, but the scriptures are, are constantly fighting against this thing because they need for us and, uh, and for our salvation, Jesus must be dead. And so it's going to be proved. Now, the way it's proved is that they come to Jesus. In fact, what, what, what the, the history tells us that there was, remember, the three uh, men who were crucified. And we want to remember that crucifixion was normally a long and drawn-out process. It would take days, maybe even a week or, or more, to die by crucifixion. So you would be hanging on the cross there for day and, uh, days and, and nights on end so that the people who were coming in and out of town would see you suffering and they'd see the... The crime that you committed posted over your head. It was like a warning for anyone coming to visit Jerusalem. You don't want to do that. This is where you end up if you commit these crimes. But the Jews on this particular day didn't want the bodies to be hanging there all weekend because it was a Sabbath day for one, and it was also the Passover for two, a holy high day, a Sabbath day, uh, a special Sabbath day. And so they went to Pilate and made a special request that the men could be killed and taken off of the cross. And the way that that happened was by breaking their legs. 
It would come with a club, and remember that the death by crucifixion was by asphyxiation, as you're, I mean, you were hanging there, and your shoulders would come out of the, the socket, and you, and so, and so you, your cavity, your lung especially, would start to fill with fluid, and it would press in on your heart, and so to be able to breathe, you would have to, you'd have to lift up on the nails that were on your feet, or if your feet were tied, you'd have to lift yourself up to gasp for air like this, and then you would sink back down. And, and if the legs were broken, they simply couldn't lift themselves up to breathe. And so death would come speedily. And so it happened that the soldiers, with their clubs, came along to the first, the guy on Jesus' left, and whack, broke his legs so that he couldn't lift himself up. And to the other man on the other side, But then they came to Jesus and found that he was dead already. They were astonished that he was dead so quickly. In fact, the text tells us that Pilate also was surprised that Jesus had died so quickly. The the quickness of Jesus' death, by the way, as an aside, is helpful for us to remember because it wasn't wasn't simply the, the suffering of the crucifixion that killed Jesus, but rather the weight of the sin that he was bearing and the wrath of God that he was suffering. This is what, in fact, ended up bringing him so quickly to his end. But these soldiers who were trained in this sort of thing, and who, if they would have taken a man alive off of the cross, would have themselves been put to death, they come to Jesus and see that he is clearly dead. But wanting to make sure of it, instead of doing the work to break his legs, wanting to make sure of his death, they simply lift the spear and put it into the side of Jesus. So if he was still alive, or if there was any life left in him, it would flow quickly out of his side. So we have the practical note that our Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is truly dead. That he has breathed his last. That he has given up the ghost. That the spirit has been rendered from his body. And he is now a corpse. The practical. There's also the prophetic to consider here, and this seems to be what John is particularly interested in. John is the the only gospel that gives us the account of the spear in the side of Jesus. He was there. It seems like John was there at the foot of the cross at the beginning of the crucifixion when Jesus gave Mary to him, and maybe he even took Mary away uh, and came back at the end so that he's there to see these things unfold. And as he sees them, he gives witness to them. He says, the testimony is true. The one who knows is telling the truth so that you also may believe. And then John says this, these things took place that Scripture might be fulfilled Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. Quoting first Psalm 22, and then second, Zechariah 12, the text that we already heard. Now, John wants us to know that Jesus in his life, in his birth, in his life, in his teaching, in his ministry, and even in his death was fulfilling the scriptures. Now, this has an apologetic uh, thing for us. John says that hearing this we can believe because when we consider how the, the Holy Spirit has seen to it that the promises of how Jesus would be born and how he would live and how he would die, that all of these promises are listed hundreds 
of years, maybe even thousands of years before they take place, we can say that nobody else could possibly have arranged this. I mean, the chances of a, of a man fulfilling all of these promises, this first one from Psalm 22, written by King David probably in the year like 10,000 and, or sorry, 1,030 or so, and the second by Zechariah written around the year 530. The chances of these promises fulfilled by someone accidentally are simply astronomical. And yet Jesus fulfills them perfectly. And what's even more stunning, I think, is that Jesus is fulfilling these promises even though he's dead. His body is there. His spirit is in heaven. And yet still he's making sure that the things spoken of him come to pass. That even though the soldiers were coming to break the legs of the other two guys, they don't break his legs so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And they run a spear through his side so that the Scripture would be fulfilled. They will look on Him whom they have pierced. That even in His death, Jesus is ruling and reigning all things. And He's ruling and reigning all of these things for you. And this gets us to the third point. Is that Jesus sees to it that from this wound comes both water and blood as a miracle. Now, some people have wanted to say that this is a, a natural phenomenon, that after death occurs, the white blood cells and the red blood cells separate, and so when the fluids are flowing out of a body like this, that you have the white and the red flowing down together. But John tells us very specifically, not that it's white blood cells and red blood cells, but that it's water and blood, and he's going to be even more emphatic about this point later in his epistle, 1 John chapter 5, which I'll read to you in just a few minutes. But we want to see that from the side of Jesus, he sees to it that the water and the blood flows forth from you. That from the side of this corpse comes that which can cleanse you from all of your sins. Johann Gerhard, meditating on this, reminds us of Samson, how Samson pulled honey from the corpse of a lion. But we have something even sweeter from the corpse of our Jesus. The water and the blood, which cleanses us from all our sins. Here's how John preaches it. 1 John 5, verse 6. This is He, Jesus, who came by water and blood. Not by the water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify. The Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in Himself. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. 
and the life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So, the Spirit, by the Word, and the water, and the blood, which flows out of Jesus, are intended Jesus to preach to you, to be a testimony and a witness that we have eternal life in Christ. Now, this is pictured for us beautifully in this painting which Pastor Flammy and his family left for us uh, as a going-away gift that we have on the altar. It's, in fact, a picture of this precisely. Because there is the body of Jesus. But you can see flowing out of His side the water and the blood. And the angel is there to catch them. To catch the blood in the chalice and to catch the water in the font. Because when you're baptized, you're baptized with the water that's blessed by the Word. The water that flows from the side of Jesus. The water that brings with it the benefit of the death of Jesus on the cross. And when you come to the altar to drink the blood, you're drinking the blood that poured out of the body of Jesus for you. It testifies. It testifies in your ear. And it testifies on your forehead. And it testifies even on your lips and in your mouth that God loves you and that your sins are forgiven. I was reading a couple of weeks ago or so um, in the large catechism. Uh, and Martin Luther says this audacious thing. He, I mean, he loved to say audacious things. but He said this audacious thing. He said, he said, the death of Jesus would do nobody any good at all if the Holy Spirit didn't bring the news of that death to us. So, the death of Jesus has to be brought to us, and it has been brought to us. If you can picture Jesus on the cross and the water flowing out and the blood flowing out as like the as like the fountainhead of a river that has flowed throughout all of the world and throughout all of time, bringing the Word to us, the testimony to us, the Gospel, the good news to us, that says that God is not mad at your sins. That says that the wrath of God has been spent not on you, but on His own Son. That says that there is a place for you in eternal life. That says that nothing will separate you from Him. Not angels or principalities or death or anything in life or any power known in the entire universe can, can draw you apart from Him. This is what the blood and the water testifies to. The love of God that is boundless. The mercy of God that knows no end. The kindness of God that brings us to eternal life. So there are three that testify. The Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. God gave us eternal life. And this life is in the death of His Son.
Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.